Hi everyone, welcome to what is a magical edition of the Disverse Worldwide Podcast. You're here with me, Paul, and as always, my Muggle Podcast co-host, Sam. Hi, Sam. You've, uh, you've really prepared that intro, haven't you? <laughs> this is my moment, Sam. We've been wet. When we started this podcast, this is the one episode I've been looking forward to. This is, uh, if you hadn't already guessed, this is all about the wizarding world of Harry Potter, the past, present and future. And um, we'll talk, uh, talk a bit about it. Yeah, a past uh, from speaking on WhatsApp as well that I didn't know existed, which I'm interested in going into. Yeah, I've done more research for this episode slash, well, already knew most of this um, <laughs> than I have for any other episode. So uh, get excited. I am excited. One thing I should say is it's, it's, it's warm in the UK. My flat's like a greenhouse, so I have got windows open. So I'm going to try and minimise background noise, but you may hear the odd car going past. I live that's, by quite a fine. popular park. So. Don't worry, don't worry about it, Sam. I've got my door wide open as well because it is sweltering. Should we start with a bit of admin, the usual stuff, which is if you're Go enjoying on, the podcast, you can give us a five-star rating on your favourite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter, Disverse underscore W, Instagram, Disverse underscore Worldwide, or email us, DisverseWorldwide at gmail.com. If you've got any questions, we're happy to answer those in the podcast. Just ask us them. And I believe Paul's got some news about another interesting podcast you can subscribe to. That's right, Sam. Um, you know, we've, we've got to find some t- things to pass the time here in uh, quarantine. Um, so I've actually started another podcast um, with some of the friends that I've got. Um, and this is, this is for anybody out there who's missing the Premier League um, football, that is. <laughs> Soccer to those transatlantic Soccer, listeners who give it the wrong name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, in this podcast, we um, sort of play along with Football Manager, and it's kind of like um, uh, like a bit of a sketch show, to be honest, um, where we sort of ad lib what's going on in the, in the game, uh, do pre match, post match press conferences. Um, but I'll, a little bit of a spoiler for it: um, the it doesn't go too well for the manager. Is he is he going to get sacked or? Well, I hope not, because then we'll run out of content. Um, <laughs> no, but, just go to a new club. It's kind of out of our hands because, as I said, we we are letting football manager decide our fate. So we'll just have to see. Okay, so go ahead and check out that. Oh yeah, I haven't said what it's called. (laughs) Managing without football. Managing without football. Is it on all the same platforms as this podcast? We're not on Apple Podcasts yet um, because I've refused to get into the Apple ecosystem, so I don't have any way of doing that. But Uh, I think one. So why, when I go on podcasts on my iPhone? Is yeah. episode one Manchester United managing without football on there? Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I thought it just got we'll have that. Uh, yeah, as far as I knew, it was just on SoundCloud and Spotify. But <laughs> okay, fine, great. Looks like I don't need to do anything. So, Wizarding World. We're going to talk about that today. We are going to talk about. I that. was thinking today because I just watched the um, last episode of the Imagineering Story where they showed the building of. Uh, Pandora and Galaxy's Edge, and I saw yeah. a few spoilers for Rise of the Resistance in the way that they designed it. So, oh like, yeah, I knew it had a simulator and, and drop uh, ride experience in there. But yeah. now I get, a, I got a vague idea as to why you said my concept for a Star Wars ride was very similar to that with escaping. A, a, yeah, yeah, but it looks. Yeah, I, I still don't know everything. But the one thing that I realised is I didn't. Looking back, I should have now, warned you about this actually because I did because I was watching it. I didn't think anything of it, but yeah, I should have realised. Oh wait! Well, as soon haven't... as it came on, I thought should we skip this, but um, decided not to. Oh, you couldn't help just, yourself. Uh, and just watching Pandora getting built, I just forgot how beautiful that is, and possibly one of my favourite theme park lands. And actually, 
I love how s- Joe Rody just didn't give a sh- sh- shit about Pandora. Yeah. <laughs> like, they said to him, yeah, Joe, you've got to build this Avatar land. And he was just like, oh, fine. Do I have to? <laughs> I've got to say, though, <laughs> yeah. on a level with Wizarding World in terms of how impressive it is. You think it's... What? Say that again. On, 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 I think it's on a level. I don't, don't think my brain Worlds. would just allow you to process that. Well, I, I don't think you can compare it because obviously Wizarding World's got two areas. But in terms of recreating the atmosphere of the film, having been there myself, it definitely does that. Like well, you, you do feel like you're on, an, on another planet. And the one thing I regret is we never saw it at night. Yeah, I think that's quite important. And again, like Imagineering Story does kind of show what it's like at night and it does look like amazing. Um... But yeah, let's let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Wizarding World. Um, so there is that. So you might think that Wizarding World, this is just a story about Universal, Sam, but it's not. There's actually a rich history of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter with Disney, believe it or not. I didn't know this until the other day. Yeah, this is a better prequel than the Fantastic Beast movie franchise. To the, uh, <laughs> the I couldn't story find of... much though. I couldn't well, find much concrete detail on it. I'll, I'll take you back. This actually all starts with the Harry Potter film rights. Um, basically, like, I think I think at the time it was sort of the late 90s when the first two, first, or maybe just the first one had come out, Philosopher's it Stone. It was 2000, or I think it was either 2000 or 2001, because I, I know this because I'd just moved schools that year, and it was the final year of primary school. And it no, was no, also- I'm not... So- I'm not saying when the movie came out. Oh, I'm okay. saying when the movie rights were 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 being sort of bandied about. Because basically, what I'm saying is that I think it was just after the first book was published. Actually, uh, basically, Disney wanted the movie rights to Harry Potter because obviously away. the book was incredibly successful. Um, but they were a bit cautious about it because um, at the time, we you know nobody knew really how massive the franchise was going to be. Um, and so I think Disney met with with JK. In fact, the history goes back even further because I think I think Disney must have had a book publishing arm. I think I don't know who it is, but I think that um, they turned down publishing of Harry Potter the book. Um, so they came back for the film rights, but JK Rowling was uh, super duper strict. Um, she basically she wanted a whole British cast. She wanted to retain a lot of control over the production. Um, Disney wouldn't have been allowed to just use her characters kind of like willy-nilly um, so they they which they would have wanted to do um, and they basically just walked away from that and then Warner Brothers swept in and said listen JK we'll do whatever the bloody hell you want just you, you tell us what to do we we'll spend it. the money we need, we, we, we need it um, and that turned out to be a pretty good move I think by Warner Brothers <laughs> Because, um, yeah, because we, we do know that J.K. Rowling was famously strict on the set. Like, she basically picked out certain actors to play the characters. She had a lot of control over what things looked like. You know, it's quite unusual, I think, when when film rights get sold. But she she did a pretty good job of retaining a lot of control over her, her characters. In do, the world, do you really. remember going to see the, the first one? Like, of course I, I do. I, I, remember, yeah, yeah. I remember it. That's such a um, clear memory. Like, it was straight after school. So I remember uh, we went to a cinema in a place called Centertainment in Sheffield, which is like just, it's got like an, uh, a venue arena, like a, a music arena. It's got like chain restaurants and a cine world. Yeah. Uh, we went there to see it. And I remember I was sat in my school uniform and he got to the part with the troll in the dungeon. And I remember thinking, 
Like this isn't even that far into the book. There's still loads left. And I was really, this just sound really sad. I was really excited that there was still loads more of the story left in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, you know, for, for the listeners, we are in that generation who grew up with these books as they released. So after, as they released, we were almost like the exact right age for when each one yeah. came out. It was um, basically the we're same. We're very, very lucky. It was the same school year as me, basically, that I was in. I, yeah. don't, know if, I don't know if you're the same age as me, if there's a few years difference. There might, yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me it was like I might have been like the year below the exact year because I think you, you, I think you're a year or two older than me. I'm thirty this year. Yeah, yeah, year or two older than me. Um, but it was close enough because um, then I think basically the the films sort of caught up with me effectively. So like the books, I was a bit behind, but then as the films were released, that was almost like the perfect age. Like Daniel Radcliffe, I think, is only a year older than me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I've made it pretty clear on this podcast so far. I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I love these books. I love these stories. Um, when I was at university, I started the, uh, Harry Potter society. So big shout out there, Lancaster university, Harry Potter nice. society. I don't founder. think I do good, a good enough job of, of getting across the fact that I am a massive fan as well, just because <laughs> I'm, I'm a, such a big fan of Disney that I find myself just defending that corner more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, fair enough. Um, you've got to have a bit of conflict on the podcast, haven't you? Yeah, but I mean, um, I'm sat there looking to a left, and there's a uh, a bespoke one from Ollivander's in Universal. Yeah, so. I've got one of those. It's not mine; it's um, my girlfriend's, but I did buy it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, she got yeah, chosen. So, uh, the one chose her, and then she decided that she didn't want that wand and got that, a different one. That same thing happened to me. Um, yeah, I, I did get picked. I was complaining in the queue how only little kids get picked, uh, and they must have heard, <laughs> and so they picked me. Well, it couldn't have gone better. We were late, um, and she got up early to go to Star Wars with me, and we were late going to Universal for Harry Potter, and she wasn't very, she wasn't very happy with me. And, oh, and so we went straight into all the vans, and I thought, please, if she gets picked, that's going to turn everything around, we're going to have a nice day. And she got picked. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, um, my bad. <laughs> so yeah so basically Philosopher's Stone comes out does gangbusters then Disney come crawling back to J.K. Rowling and they say we want the theme park rights and the movie rights for After Goblet of Fire because actually originally that was just uh, it was just for the first four films was the original deal well if I remember um, right the, the, the books hadn't finished before no the they films, hadn't had finished they, so. I, no there was like I think there was still six there was definitely six and seven there were probably five six and seven left um, yeah, something like that. Probably, yeah. I can't. I can't remember. I'd have to look at the dates and how they line up. Um, but basically, Warner Brothers were not too happy about that, believe it or not, um, and swept back in and uh, quickly made a deal with J.K. before Disney could make an offer. Um, and that means that they actually were the first people to implement Harry Potter in the theme parks. So back in 2001 in Movie World Australia. I was going to say, t- I was trying to think, I thought there was a Warner Brothers place that you spoke yep. about actually in Australia. Exactly, yeah. We touched on it a bit because I have been there. Um, so it was called the Harry Potter Magic Movie, the Harry Potter Movie of Magic Experience. Uh, and as I just flubbed it there, it sounds like the sort of thing I would name as we've still on this podcast. Just or, or Universal. What it, what it is. Yeah, oh yeah, or Universal, yeah. Um so like this kind of was between 2001 2003 and it's kind of I think on the from the look of it and it's really hard to find pictures of this because if you try and look for it it just comes up with the modern wizarding world yeah or the one um, in Watford I'm seeing as well 
Yeah, yeah. So I think it was kind of like a little bit of a cross between the two. So I think it was like scaled down diagonally um, rather than like a full scale one that we that we see in the modern Wizarding World. And they had uh, an Ollivanders, I think, and some real owls. Um, but from what I understand, it was like a guided tour. So you couldn't really explore. You had to sort of stick with your tour guide and he would show you around. Um, and then it also, I also found this bit of detail that says that they had walk around characters, which is kind of like just creepily described as like young cast members. Sounds to me a bit like child labor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures now. It's indoors as well. Oh, right. Okay. There you go. I've actually found uh, on Park, uh, a website called Parks, P-A-R-K-Z.com. Um, right, okay. Just two pictures of Diagonale, one of it at night, one of it at day, and it just looks like a movie set. It's all indoors. Yeah, so, so there you go. So a movie set, or more, more like a set, rather than like a full immersive land. Um, so then, because kind of Warner Brothers, I don't think I don't think it really did like a lot of business for them either. So they weren't, they thought, I thought, they thought, <clears throat> oh, maybe we could make a bit more money if we sell the theme park rights onto Disney. So yeah. in 2003... J.K. Rowling signed a letter of intent with Disney that would have seen a Harry Potter area in a Disney theme park. And do you know which one it was, Sam? Um, don't know. My dog's barking, by the way. I'm trying to mute myself between. Um, which theme park they would have gone for? Yeah, so, in, uh, so I'll give you a clue. It's in Orlando. Uh, I'm going to go for Hollywood Studios. No. Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom. How and it, the second one was kind of a, a black guess. I, I knew what you were going for, but I just thought I'd shoot another <laughs> one first. Well, how weird! How weird would that be? That at the back of Fantasyland, where they ended up building New Fantasyland, you would have had this really tiny little offshoot Harry Potter area in Magic Kingdom. It I feels mean, like I mean, how out of place is with, that? With Warner Brothers and with this pitch it seems like it's just rushing to get it to be the ones to get it into your park and not giving it much attention in terms of getting it right it seems pretty insane to me i mean i'm still not really that happy the fact that they built galaxy's edge in disneyland in anaheim but i think this would have been even weirder because there are different parks in uh florida you know put it in put it in mgm studios as you said you know put it in the studios park Why, why wouldn't you do that i mean it makes sense for galaxy's edge so Mm. And um, so, yeah, basically what they pitched as well was incredibly underwhelming. Uh, they only pitched two attractions. One of them was like an Omnimover Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters ride, but with wands, which does sound pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then and then also a meet and greet with an animatronic hippogriff uh, and, a, and a leaky cauldron outdoor food um, location. Um, but all that, I mean, that sounds pretty, considering you've got the scope of Harry Potter to, to play with, this is, this is not good. Um, and JK thought so too. She basically laughed at Disney and gave her, gave them her demands and she wanted a full Hogsmeade, completely self-contained, um, with a, you know, with the ride and a rideable Hogwarts Express as well. Um, and I think that there was Universal delivered. Well, there was a bit of a to and fro with Disney at this point, I think. Um, and there, were, there was a final draft where they had a spinning sorting hat ride, like the teacups. And apparently that was the last straw for, for JK, <laughs> who could tell they weren't taking it very seriously. I think it also it helps in a way that, like, in Universal, they opened it um, quite... So it sounds like this, this, this whole battle, this whole thing to try and get the right started quite early on. Universal didn't open it until, what was it, 2010? 
So just yeah, before exactly. the, le- the release of the final part of the final movie. Yeah. So- I mean, the, the crazy thing is, though, is that, um, like, Disney, the, the reason I gave the bit of the backstory about the movie rights is that you would have thought that Disney would have learned their lesson. Um, you know, they, they wanted to get the rights on the cheap and they didn't want to bow to JK's demands, you know, and they paid for it. And then basically when Disney and JK Rowling broke their letter of intent in 2005, Universal said to her, right, here's a load of, here's a load of money. Just tell us what you want and we'll just do it. Okay, here's my question though. Would yeah. this have been different if Bob Iger had been chairman at the time? No, he was chairman at the time. That's he the was. crazy thing. So he, he apparently J.K. Rowling and Disney were talking at this time and then Bob Iger took over and had a meeting with her and <laughs> apparently left the meeting not happy with her and basically just like, she's too demanding. Like, you know, she wants to spend too much money. We don't want to do this. And that's when Universal came in. Um, so yeah, but I think this was like really early on in his tenure, like really, really early, as in, you know, within the first year. When they were still playing recovery and didn't have the money that they had when they started doing things like Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge, basically. That's yeah, that's that's true. And um, started just buying up massive film franchises like there were nothing. Yeah, so I think like Universal then gave her some plans and she said, All of this is wrong. Um, but you you're on the right lines because you're prepared to just spend loads of money on it do what I want. So she basically like, you know, said, you've got to do this for Hog, you've got to do this for Hogsmeade, you know, you've got to have a Hogwarts that's, you know, sort of to scale, etc. Um, and as you said, the first Wizarding World opened in 2010, Arlen's Adventure, and it completely changed the game for theme parks in Orlando. So it really was a massive cock up by Disney because yep. without Wizarding World, Universal would not be the player that they are now. Might have even died out. I mean, I don't think it would have, but it might be more like a Bush Gardens in terms of attendance. I think it definitely would. I mean, and I have to say, like, this land was without doubt the greatest immersive experience in the world when it opened. And in my opinion, it's only been topped by Diagon Alley. Um, And I know that you, you know, you're putting out there uh, Pandora and and Star Wars as well. And, you know, I can't comment on Star Wars because I've not been, well, I can't comment on either because I've not been to either. But I find it very difficult to believe that that they, they would be either... Um, Hogsmeade or Diagon Alley. The, the detail that they've put into this land, it is like stepping into the real life Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. It like is, I, yeah. It's, both, it's, both, it's times, both times I went, I spent, like, we're talking literally hours just exploring, looking into windows, looking at all the tiny little details, and there's stuff there that the vast majority of guests will just walk past and never, ever see. Um, and that's the beauty of it for me. So yeah, this is it. This, this is the difference, right? So you, you you are such a massive Harry Potter fan that I don't think you'll ever find a land that you think is as good as that because that is the perfect place for you to go yeah, it is, that, that because is it's true. done so well. No, it doesn't matter yeah. what Disney do. It's not Harry Potter. The same way for me, Galaxy's Edge is the, is the best theme park land I've been to because it's Star Wars and also, again, because it's done really well. But, but here's, a question, here's a question for you, though. Do you think that Galaxy's Edge could have been done better? Um, and this is a, kind of a cheeky question because basically what i'm saying is if they'd done it to original trilogy do you think it would have been better um honest answer it's gonna be a strange one no i like the fact (laughs) that it's not original trilogy and it's not really i mean you've got the you've got kylo ren who who is a pretty cool character i really like kylo ren but it's not you're telling your own story in galaxy z it's not really following either it's just set at a particular time in i guess star wars history yeah okay okay, so fair enough I think they were very clever in the fact that they didn't try and create a Mos Eisley or a Tatooine. They created an entirely new place. 
so it's your own story. I think if they were going to do it more to more themed on a specific movie, then yeah, I would prefer original trilogy because you know I'd love to visit Hoth or Mos Eisley, but because it's not that, and because of the way they chose to do it, I don't think I would have been happier either way. I'm just happy with with what it is, and um, I guess that's the difference with Pandora as well. That's is just meant to be the place that the film is set. Um, yeah, <clears throat> the reason I say that's so immersive is because you do feel like you're on another planet when you're there. So it does. What yeah, it's... I mean, I, I think it's. I think it sounds cool, but I just don't think it could have the same. Uh, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it is just because you can't of... flow around it in the same way. Like Galaxy's Edge, there's so much to do other than go on the rides. Whereas yeah. Pandora, there's one restaurant and two rides. One of one, they always have. So the shortest queue for the ride is probably for Navi River Journey, which is about an hour long, which is a really yeah. cool ride. It's a very beautiful river adventure, but it's. The queue is just too long for how, how short that ride is. And yeah. then there's... Oh, we've got sirens going past. Someone's gone for the third jog of the day. Um, <laughs> then you've got Flight of Passage, which is easily a candidate for best ride at Disney. And and also... Uh, is it possibly for Orlando? I'm not sure. But just the fact that unless you stay on property and reserve a fast pass six days in advance or go when the doors open, you're going to be waiting at least two hours to go on it. So it's, yeah. not, it's you just can't flow around it the same way you can other places. Yeah. I mean, what I'll say about um the wizarding world which might just apply to me but well it definitely doesn't just apply to me i think it applies to a lot of people but between us is that it evokes raw emotion um for me i think because the franchise like means so much to me um there's nothing like being there because it does just feel like you are in that world and they've kind of you know they play on it as well because they've got speakers all around that are playing the say, like, the goodbye Hogwarts music and, and stuff from the films, brilliantly scored by John Williams' um, music. So it's it's more... To me, it is more than just a theme park line that's fun to be there. Like, it does actually evoke genuine emotion, which yeah. might sound crazy, but... And the only it's... place... I, 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 it was the same for me, because I, I, the first time I went as well, I just couldn't believe it. And, and it, Galaxy's Edge is the same. I don't, well, think, yeah. I don't think you can ever say one is... I, I think they're both just amazing in their own right and i don't think you can ever really pick a best you can only pick a favorite yeah. i think yeah so because the rides in both as well are just fantastic yeah i i mean i do get i get this emotion like in the magic kingdoms as well so when i'm in either when i've been in magic kingdom or disneyland paris or disneyland uh, in anaheim the the main parks i do get like a similar feeling i mean it's definitely some form of <laughs> of nostalgia that is being uh uh you know that's how they get you in it you know, the, the place get, get, I get, you when, it, get you when you're young. The place I get it, which is a weird place, is, is walking up Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood Studios towards Tower of Terror. Really? And also yeah. walking walking in the entrance of Hollywood Studios. I just love the way that that's designed. Cool. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Um, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like these these like Hollywood Studios doesn't really mean anything to me because the first time I went was 2014. So I kind of like actually no, it wasn't. It was a bit bit before that. It must have been 2010 because I went to. I, I was actually lucky enough to go to Wizarding World opening summer and also Diagon Alley opening summer. <laughs> nice. Um, and then we've got Galaxy's Edge opening summer as well. So we've covered our bases really, haven't we? We've both been to yeah. our perfect land at opening, opening. In fact, it was two weeks after it opened for us. And I think you went yeah. to pretty much opening week, didn't you? 
Oh yeah, I did. It was it was really touch and go actually for Diagon Alley um, because they were sort of not sure when it was going to open. And yeah, I think I think it had only been open for two weeks when when we went there. And it was kind of like it it was a double edged sword really because it meant that Gringotts was almost impossible to get on. We only went on it once and we had to wait like three hours and we had to get there like an hour before park opening. You're describing Hagrid's to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh, but the. But the good thing was, is that Hogsmeade that summer was practically empty and we could go on Forbidden Journey as much as we wanted. We could go on Dueling Dragons as much as we wanted. There was basically no queues at all because um, everybody was in Diagon Alley. So it did sort of help for that. Um, but just walking around Diagon Alley, I mean, and, Hog- and Hogsmeade as well, but Diagon Alley is like, they stepped it up again. Uh, um, I love Nocturne Alley. That's my favourite part. Oh, yeah. Oh well, it's interesting to talk about that. Stuff. I mean, we can come up. We'll come on to that, actually because I've not I've not quite finished talking about it as it is. But that Nocturne Alley, the way Nocturne Alley is, is definitely like a precursor to the rumors that it's the future of um, the Wizarding World. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just quickly finish off with like the main Wizarding World. So yeah, as we said, like Dueling Dragons is gone now. So that was. Well, it was Julian Dragons and they renamed it Dragon Challenge and now they've replaced it with Hagrid's, which is supposedly one of the best rides in Universal. You've been I, I think it's... Um, honestly, I know I, I always say Men in Black Alien Attack is my favourite. But the best, <laughs> the best ride in Universal is Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. It's just yeah. it's so hard to get on that you just... It's like a once-a-trip thing unless you're happy to stand in queues every single day, which if you've gone to Universal and you're staying at a resort, you've got Express Pass, you're not there. You, you, you're not there to sit in queues, really. You're there to... Um, to get on as many rides as possible and enjoy your experience. Well, um, hopefully it'll improve. There's, I mean, it will. The, the longer it goes on, uh, the, lo- the older it is, it'll get better, won't it? I mean, as soon as it opens up to Express Pass, that's probably not going to help it initially because Express the way Express Pass works there, because it's like sort of like a pay-to-win, and there's going to be just long Express queues as well. But eventually, yeah, especially when the new Jurassic Park coaster opens. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what. Um, Maybe that's what does it. You have to open that that Jurassic Park roller coaster. But yeah, best roller coaster um, that I've ever been on, hands down. Great. I mean, that's a that's a definitely a glowing recommendation. Uh, and it is a shame that Julian Dragons has gone because it was a really good roller coaster. Yeah. But I think that this is a better replacement and it fits in better with the theme. Yeah, and it's and I say yeah, Dragon Challenge or Julian Dragons. I think I went on it. It's called both things. Um, yeah. Was good, but I think it was. But at the time, probably the third best coaster. I think Rip Ride Rocket and Hulk were better rides anyway. So, Fair enough, yeah. Um, great. So, I mean, I think what we've established there is that Wizarding World is, without a doubt, the greatest theme park land in the world. No no arguments whatsoever. That's good. So let's move no, on. I, I, honestly, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> I, if anything, I would just say it's joint, it's joint best with Galaxy's Edge. But yeah, it's definitely at the top of the tree. I think that we've talked about the rides enough in previous episodes. So if you want to go back and listen... Um, to us talk about Forbidden Journey and Gringotts, you can do that because uh, I think we've talked about them plenty. They're, yeah. they're, they're both excellent rides. Um, two of my favourite rides, really, ever. Particularly Forbidden Journey. Um, Gringotts. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about the future of the Wizarding World, Sam. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the first thing I'll say is... There are a lot of rumours flying around at the moment um, that the next instalment of The Wizarding World is going to be in the new Universal theme park, the fantastically named Epic Universe. Um, 
But the rumour is is that this is going to be a Fantastic Beasts area. Um, yeah. Not only that, Sam, but the second movie in the Fantastic Beasts Well, franchise. we think the second based on the locations they've chosen, but you don't know. It could be locations from the third, and the third could be a really yeah, good true. film for all we know. So, Yeah, I mean... I mean, the, they built Galaxy's Edge off the back of Force Awakens, which was a good movie. True. They just had a couple yeah, of disasters true. after that. So. The, the rumour is that they're going to have a Diagon Alley rip-off from Paris. The Paris Diagon Alley, which I have to say, Sam, I can't remember a single detail about. No, um, it's like they talk about... Uh, what else did they talk about? Uh, the, the French Ministry of Magic. Yeah, because I remember what that was like. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason why we sort of mention Nocturne Alley is that the rumour is and this is based on the concept art of Epic Universe, is that the majority of this land will be inside, which is quite unusual for a theme park yeah, land. Yeah, but I guess sort of makes sense for Florida because the amount of times they have to close rides down because there's a thunderstorm. Yeah, and it's really hot, so it's cool. That The good thing about Notting Alley is nice and cool. Yeah, I think that's why I liked it so much. Yeah. <laughs> so for this area, Sam, there are two rumoured rides. Um, one of them is a chase of like fantastic beasts through the streets of Paris, and the other is potentially an indoor drop ride, drop tower in the French Ministry of Magic. Um, now, it's about time they had a good drop tower because I mean, at the moment, I'm just thinking screen, screen, screens. Yeah, so I think now is a good opportunity, and I have I have to confess, Sam, that one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode is so that I can bitch about Fantastic Beasts. Before you um, do, can I present a little theory that's a little bit out there? Please do. As to why they've chosen this. Go on. Right, so you've watched Imagineering Story and heard the story of Disneyland Paris and how much that was hated by the by the French. Yeah. I, I, see, I think Disneyland Paris was a great idea, but I think they chose the wrong country. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Gone for countries that actually like theme parks, like Germany or Spain, where you can get good weather as well. Because obviously yeah. you say, you can't build one in England because the weather's always bad. But the weather yeah, can't the be that different not in Paris. Weather, it's not good. Um, and at least we would have wanted it. But I think Paris is almost like the American choice for what they picture as like romantic, uh, stylish Europe. Oh, it's Paris. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, th- I almost feel like they're trying to do the same in Universal because they've already got this romanticised idea of London with King's Cross Station and you've got all these like sort of English pubs and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And I think they've gone, well, why don't we just try and get a little bit of France in there as well and try and get a bit of French culture and we'll go, we'll just go for Paris. Oh, look, this film's got Paris in it. Yeah, we'll go with that. I mean, what I'll say, I mean, I am about to slam these movies, but the idea of a land based in, you know, the French Diagon Alley and these rides, I actually really like the sound of them. Like, from a stylistic point of view, the movies look really good um, because it's basically the same like production team from Harry Potter, and I think that they managed to create a brilliant look for the Wizarding World. So I actually don't have that much of an issue. Like I could still go to this land and love it, despite yeah, I mean, how I feel about these movies. I know we keep talking um, about it, but Galaxy's Edge, you know, it's set after the Last Jedi, which most people view as one of the worst Star Wars films ever made. But yeah. you still have an amazing time because you're not you're not watching the Last Jedi while you're there. You're just getting immersed in the world of Star Wars. So it doesn't matter yeah. what, what the what the what the films were like as long as the theme park area is good. Avatar, not really a great movie. I've said that loads of times. Well, no, it's it's not a great movie at all. <laughs> just all um, all style, no substance. 
Yeah, I mean, with Disney, I'd say that I'd kind of probably rather that they'd have done original IP than have Avatar. Like, I still wish we'd have got Beastly Kingdom rather than that. Um, Having looked into I, that, I, I also wish we had Beastly Kingdom instead. Yeah, I mean, I trust Disney more with their own, with, with you know, non-IP-based attractions and lands than, than Universal, I think. Um but it's always a worry, I think, when you build like a theme park land because it has to be with IP because it has to be timeless. Um, and Universal, I mean, you've kind of seen this because in Islands of Adventure, you've got Toon Lagoon with like characters that were already old when that was built, like these comic strip characters. Um, you know, like, do we know who any of these people are? <laughs> any of these characters are? We just know that they're heavily sun bleached. Yeah, well, that's true as well. Yeah, also, also, also a good, uh, good, good excuse to have the land inside, so they don't have to repaint anything. Yeah, because um, the one thing I noticed when uh, watching the Imagineering stories, like particularly when they built Shanghai, they designed buildings and painted buildings based on on the fact that this won't age well if you paint it this way. So let's paint it this way instead. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I but definitely don't think Universal thought that through. I think the point you're trying to get at is you like the idea of, of, of the rides and stuff, but you just want to rant about how, how much you hate the movies. Basically, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I love Harry Potter. Oh, sorry, let me start this again. I think I do. I think I might hate these movies as much as I love Harry Potter. Um, because I think that for anybody who has watched these movies, you might know what I'm talking about, but basically we're getting hobbited here with these films. Like they yeah, started that's, that's at, a good shout actually. Yeah, like they, they start the, the the premise, the original premise was that this was gonna be like an Indiana Jones style, you know, world trotting um adventure involving magical beasts, completely disconnected from the Harry Potter universe as we knew it. And I thought, great, that sounds like a good idea for a spin-off. But as they they couldn't help themselves but bring in you know, as soon as I heard Grindelwald was going to be in the first movie, I was like, oh, well, that's it then. That's It's screwed up now. That's it. Because you're then getting into backstory of characters we know. Um, and we don't, you know, we don't need it. That's now, we're now in full prequel territory, full-blown prequel territory. Um, and I think that, like, you know, a lot of people have argued with me about the first one who say, like, it's fine, um, even good. Um, and it does have less about Grindelwald in it, but what I'll say about the first one is I just think it's it's pretty dull. Like nothing really happens in it, and I'm not I'm not really a fan of Eddie Redmayne to be honest. Um, I'm not not really sold on him being this amazing actor. I don't know what you think about that, Sam. Um, I'm very neutral on it to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I do, I don't think he works really as a lead of these movies. Um, but the real, the real thing, the real issue I have is with the second one, where they really just—I—I I don't know what's happened here. That the same person who wrote Harry Potter, who was able to drip feed you subtle, um, you know, little hints uh, and lead trails for you in earlier books to tie them up later on, that she wrote this screenplay because it is so messy. Uh, it's so so messy. I mean, not only does you know the pacing of the movie is all wrong. You know, from a from an actual film perspective, it is objectively bad. And then from a Harry Potter fan's perspective, it's objectively bad because it messes around with the um, with with the established law. It, it says Dumbledore. It, like even just little things that big Harry Potter fans are, are just going to notice. Like with Dumbledore is the uh, is the Defense Against the Dark Arts 
teacher in the movie when we all know that he was Transfiguration teacher. You know, I'm sure you know that, Sam. Big, yep. Big problem I have in that. Um, McGonagall's there. Professor McGonagall is in the movie, despite the fact that at that stage she wasn't born. Yeah, that was um, the thing that confused me. It's like how how old do we suppose <laughs> believe McGonagall is? Like, yeah, this, this, well, this, this just that was. I remember um, she, she walked on. I was like, that that can't be. And then they said the name. I was like, ah, ah, how? Yeah, it's it does. How? It's just it's just silly. Like, what a weird a weird inclusion that is completely unnecessary. But the biggest the biggest problem I have with it is um, well, there's two twofold actually. The first one is that they kind of rewrite the reason for Dumbledore not fighting Grindelwald. Um, so in the books, it's it's quite subtle, but it's definitely there that Dumbledore didn't want to face Grindelwald because he was a too ashamed that he had sort of conspired with him to take over um, the Muggles. Um, and B, he was in love with him and couldn't face him down to realise what he'd actually become, um, you know, and didn't want to didn't want to kill him, basically, because he was in love with him. Um, and J.K. Rowling sort of said after these books that, that Dumbledore was indeed gay and was in love with Grindelwald. And they now have like an opportunity to show that in the movie. Uh, and they don't do it. They 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 barely hint that Dumbledore's gay. And then they also come up with this complete nonsense of a plot line where they came up with they had some blood packed rubbish that means that Dumbledore magically can't face Grindelwald, which it just kind of ruins that backstory. I think a bit. It all feels a little bit Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it does. Um, it really does. It, actually, yeah. Um, and it's it's just it's frustrating. And then the the final straw for me was. Uh, the final scene of the movie where you find out that this nobody, this, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a brilliant scene that lasts about 10 minutes where they offload loads of expedition onto you. And there's basically like a crying baby who's on a ship and then he gets swapped with another baby. So the character who you thought this baby was, it turns out it's not him, but don't worry. He's still really important. He just happens to be Dumbledore's long lost brother. Um, yeah. Which, from what we know from the law established backstory, Dumbledore is complete rubbish. I mean, I've forgotten, I've forgotten most of what happened in that film. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I've only seen it once, but it made me so angry that I've, <laughs> I've retained like every detail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, does it make sense for Dumbledore? How old was Dumbledore? Like 150 or something? In... I'm really bad with like numbers and ages and stuff. He's old. He's old. Older than McGonagall, isn't he? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, he's way older than McGonagall. Yeah, way older than McGonagall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, I don't like these movies. Um, I think that they kind of like spit on, uh, they spit on the canon. And for me, now I have to treat the books one to seven, that's canon and nothing else. Like, it's a very much a careful what you wish for kind of thing. Like, when the the, the close of the seventh book, you know, J.K. Rowling said that, oh, that's it, I'm done. You know, and, and us Harry Potter fans, we're desperate for more. We, know, we want more stories. There's a lot more to explore within the wizarding world. But then what do we get? We get Cursed Child and we get Fantastic Beasts. So, yeah, whoops. What's Cursed Child like? I've not actually seen that. I mean, you know, this is, again, it's another kettle of fish, this, but just to, a long story short, I've seen it as a as a play. Uh, and as a play, it's 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 very good. Like, the, the special effects are fantastic. Um, I saw it in its first run, so I saw the original actors who were, were, were in it, and they were really good uh, as well. But the story is is complete nonsense. Um, and again, it doesn't to go from 
books one to seven and into this, it it's all wrong. Like the tone is wrong. Like the the way the magic works is wrong. Like everything's wrong. It just doesn't feel like it connects to the to the books. Uh, and actually, J.K. Rowling didn't actually write that. Like it was a book, two playwrights, and she was kind of like just okayed it. Um, so you can kind of understand that. Um, but yeah, I don't treat it as canon at all. It's like Welcome to the World of Star Wars, where it's basically they made the prequels and then they went right. Let's just keep making films until we get a good one. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's it it is disturbingly like it disturbingly lines up very well with uh, with what's happened to Star Wars. Having said that, Mandalorian is great. Yeah, Mandalorian is really good, and there's still scope for you know spin-off Harry Potter things to do well. Like you know, if you might get a Rogue fan- One. The, yeah, like the Fantastic Beast movies, like they, I guess, have a chance to redeem themselves. As you said, like there's supposed to be three more, so well, think there's about a it, chance actually. they do if, better. If, I mean, how fitting would it be if the first two, like you say, are just very bleh. the second one being the worst of the two? That's starting to sound like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And then what if you get a Revenge of the Sith where it was actually, it was all right? I really did like Revenge of the Sith, so... Well, I think that one's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Although it's, it's established. Oh, the CGI has not aged well on that. No, I just think anything with Hayden Christensen in it, it can't be classed as good. That's a fair point. You know, bless him, I've got, no, got nothing against him, but it was not good with Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> no, the best thing about that was uh, Ewan McGregor. So. Yeah, and he's coming back, so that was good. Yeah, so, so what would you see instead then? What would you do in Epic Universe instead? Well, what I will say is that the the only positive about... Well, there's not only one positive, that's not fair. So, I mean, the, the positives about building a Fantastic Beast area in Epic Universe is that it leaves the possibility for more Wizarding World expansions to take place within the original lands, which would make more sense. So you've already got like a London facade in Diagon Alley. So that is the perfect place to put the Ministry of Magic expansion. And I think they've got space for it. So what I would like to see is is a UK Ministry of Magic um, within that, you know, or next to Diagon Alley. Um because, yeah, because, I mean, in terms of Epic Universe, I guess Fantastic Beasts as an expansion does kind of make sense, you know, if I'm reluctantly saying that, because I guess in terms of from the original Harry Potter, I guess what what other big wizarding area could you base a new land on? Um, yeah, you couldn't, one, you couldn't, yeah, honest, exactly, because, like... That would be suitable. It's a different park, so it has to make sense. It can't just be... The Cursed Forest, for example. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Forbidden Forest, sorry. Can't be the Forbidden, forbidden Forest because, like, well, Hogwarts is, like, a few miles down the road, so how is the Forbidden Forest there? Yeah, uh, exactly. It has to be an entirely new place. Uh, well, I mean, what else could it be? Could it be... Um, what other locations? Unless you have something terrifying like Azkaban or something like that. Well, that's it, because you don't, you, don't, you don't want that, do you, really? Because you still want it to be... Because uh, everything else know. is London, isn't it? So, like, I mean, the Ministry of Magic's in London, Diagon Alley's in London. So you yeah. could, it wouldn't really make sense to put that in Epic Universe, because it's a different part. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah, to be honest, there's not, there's not really much more that you could do outside of expanding where Hogsmeade is, you know, you could you could expand the grounds of, of Hogwarts, couldn't you? You could go for like, you know, the Quidditch ground, um, you could do a lake. So, you know, there's the scope to have more attractions based on sort of those things. 
But in terms of transplanting that into a whole new park, it wouldn't really make any sense. Yeah. So maybe then, you know, being hopeful. Uh, this, obviously, the, these these plans may have even been in the works, but we don't know if if there's if they have been in the works. They might be shelved for a little bit now, given the current situation. But expanding what they already have would make more sense if they want to get more of the original yeah. storage in there. And to be fair, I think they will, uh, unless this coronavirus pandemic completely destroys the coffers of uh, of Universal and Disney. So this could well be the end of the uh, of the boom that we've been seeing in the last five ten years, which is a shame. But yeah, I think it's fair to assume that anything that's not started yet is subject to being cancelled. Yeah. So what we might see is that we might go another fifteen years or so until they start thinking about further expansions. Yeah, by which point we've probably got another 10, 15 Star Wars movies for them to go with. So, I mean, I think Galaxy's Edge will definitely get an expansion sooner rather than later. Well, I say again, sooner rather than later, but soon. <laughs> soon. Yeah, well, I mean, it's getting the Star Cruiser, isn't it? So. Oh, yeah, that's true. I guess that's sort of... Well, happens. hopefully still is anyway. Yeah, I guess, oh, I guess now that you've said that, that's what they need to do next. A hotel. We need a, I need a Harry Potter hotel. Yeah. Well, because Universal don't really do... I well, haven't really done the whole heavily themed hotel with the exception of Portofino Bay, yeah, uh, which needs a serious refit from what I understand. And apparently yeah. um, Pacific, what's it called now? Royal Pacific as well is quite well themed. Um, but they haven't done a, an IP themed hotel. And it doesn't really need to be in your face. I mean, Animal Kingdom Lodge is technically Lion King themed, but it's very subtle. Yeah. Um, so just... If they the- themed a Harry Potter hotel... Like, it would make so much money. Like, so much money. Uh, you know, theme the rooms around dormitories, have, like, a great hall, restaurant. Like, I mean, it writes itself. Uh, it's, it writes itself. It would be so... It would be just a an open goal, really. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not one for sort of paying over the odds for, like, a hotel, uh, like, at a theme park, because obviously I just want to be in the park. But... I would pay to go <laughs> to go to this hotel without would you a shadow have it, like, of a doubt. The Star Cruise where you tend to get kidnapped for three days, or would you have a bit more freedom? Uh, I think I'd rather have a bit more freedom. Like, I, I'm still not sure about this Star Cruiser idea. Well, they stop um, you leaving Galaxy's Edge. Like, I want to go on into Toy Story Land. I think they will. I think they will because it. Well, I don't know how they're going to do it, but the from the sounds of it, they or more maybe they won't let you. Maybe they won't trap you in Star Galaxy's Edge, but they will say like. Right, we're going back to the Star Cruiser in two hours, so you've only got two hours to wander around, so you don't really have enough time to uh, to explore Toy Story Land or Tyro Terror or whatever. It's probably something to add on as part of a trip, but at that price, eh, it's just it's I'll insanity. Just I don't. Why would you pay extra to have less options on your Disney World trip? It don't make any sense to me. Yeah, D- Disney World, you know, there's lots yeah. to see. Yeah, because so. they say like you know it's, this is a cruise, but on land it's like well yeah. But it's not actually a cruise. You're not in the middle of the ocean. You <laughs> you can go anywhere you want. He's like, yeah, no, I'm in Florida. Like, I was I was I was on the I was on a plane. I saw where we landed. Like, <laughs> we're in Florida. We're not at sea. Yeah. So to answer your question, no, I don't think it, they should do that for the Harry Potter hotel. <laughs> I think it should just be a just be a hotel that you can go in and out of as you please. Um, but one thing I want to quickly mention as well is that I liked about the Wizarding Worlds. I like the um, it's the best. I think it's the best dining in the park as well. Um, in terms of like it's, it's well themed there's, there's a good atmosphere um, yep. and it's good food as well yeah and good beers 
They yeah, do yeah, good special, beers. Special, yeah. special beers. I mean, it's just like going to the pub in England, but you, you're getting charged three times the price. But <laughs> you, you don't care, really, because it's like, it's just part of the experience. And I also... It's but they have unique beers, though. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'd have. That's what I had. I wouldn't have the... I wouldn't have, I yeah, wouldn't what have did the, I have the now? Imports. It was named after a dragon. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. But and Disney nice. ripped that off as well. I mean, everything in Galaxy's Edge was done here first. Like, they just, they ripped it all off, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but it's better because it's Star Wars. Well, you know, we could sit here all day and argue <laughs> that. And maybe, uh, I'm, I think at some point we will do a, probably a Wizarding World versus Galaxy's Edge episode. It's a like tricky one, though, because uh, you haven't been yet, so. Cam. I know, so and I'm we might supposed have to, to be going in September, but, you know, we'll see. Oh, well, yeah. Just for further listeners, there is a rumour that Disney World, well, any Disney park, actually, won't reopen until January 2021. Um, yeah, and now it's, that is, that's it's based a on rumor. one person's analysis, though, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it's still seen as the worst-case scenario, isn't it? It also so. seems really unlikely to me that Disney would do this of their own back, because, um, you know, as we've said, they want to reopen and make that make that money. Listen, if, if, it's, if it's, that is the case, I won't be upset if my trip gets cancelled and I get my money back, because if stuff is closed for that long, we're heading into some seriously dark waters. And so well, that's very true. Getting that money back would probably be a good thing. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. But yeah, I mean, hopefully I'll go to Galaxy's Edge in September and get to go on Rise of the Resistance. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes me worry a little bit about my plan trip for September 2021. Oh, that, you'd be fine. I mean, it, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, if, if we, I don't know if we'll reschedule we'll or what. Very, very, but... we'll have much more worries if uh, <laughs> we're yeah. still, still in the. <laughs> Still having problems at that time. So we talked about the past, the present and the future of Wisdom World. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. I think we've covered pretty much... Uh, I mean, pretty I know I could everything. give you another three hours to rant about those You movies. could, yeah. I mean, I could, I could talk about it for a long, long time. It's, um, it's, only the one, it's also one of the only places where I thought that the merch was worth buying as well, because a lot, a lot of things... Oh, are, yeah. That's, we should have talked about that a bit. Actually, should we? A lot um, of the things I find in Universal is I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, I can get that on my phone for a fraction of the price from Amazon. There's nothing unique about it, but Wizarding World actually has some unique merch. I'll tell you what. I won't buy... Harry Potter merch now from it's what I'm it's it's ruined stuff for me basically is what I'm saying is that you can go now into almost any shop and they'll have like a little Harry Potter section where they've got you know various merch and for me now the quality is too low because I've now been to Universal and they have this really premium merch and it's a lot of it's unique um and it's great and I, I have to save a lot of my money to spend it there because I'll come back with like a bucket load full of merch. Yeah, it's the same with um, Disney as well. Like really high quality t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, um, but the, yeah, it's the uniqueness that I think is great. Like, I, I mean, the crazy thing is, is that I I've got a scarf there from from my first trip there, and you couldn't get a scarf that was that exact color in the UK at the time. Like the Harry Potter scarves at the time was like this ugly burgundy for uh, for Gryffindor scarf, and you go over to the Wizarding World and it was. You know, crimson, which is what it should be. Um, we're, we're, so we're even into something a, like that. A, a next level of obsession here, aren't we? <laughs> I refused to buy that original scarf because I was like, "That's the wrong colour. I need the right colour." <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll get you the help you need. <laughs> or just drop me off there. That's all you need to do. Just drop me off there, and I'll just live there. It must be killing um, you to say that if we do go this year, we're not going to Universal. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I mean, when I when I when I flew over to California from Texas uh, by myself last year, um, 
for a couple of days in Disney, I had to tack on an extra day at Universal Studios uh, Hollywood and pretty much just because I had to check in with Harry Potter. If they didn't have Harry Potter, Wizarding World Harry Potter up there at the time, I would not have bothered. Because um, it was actually almost as expensive for a day in Disney for one day at Universal Studios Hollywood. And there is almost like, there's probably less than half there yeah, than there is at Disney. Obscene. But I mean, I've been to Universal um, well, technically four times if I include Singapore, but I've been to Orlando three times. And I've only yeah. really properly done Disney World once. So, yeah. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, I suppose. But I would just pop in just for one day, just so I could pop in Wizarding World, stay there for a day. Oh, yes, it's going to get um, you. even angry if we do go somewhere else for the day. We're going to go to Bush Gardens. What? You, oh, come on, Bush Gardens. I've been. They got some crazy so? roller coasters. Oh. Yeah, that's happening. Speechless. Speechless. You be telling me you go to Sea World next? Uh, I've, I've been to Sea World actually, but I'm, no, I'm not going to go again. No, I've been once actually, and uh, I, I I didn't have a good day. Like, I, just, I just spent all my time on Kraken and on, on um, Manta, basically. Yeah, the, the rides were good, but I had like this sinking, horrible feeling in my stomach the whole time. I was like, "This is really horrible. I don't like this at all." Um, yeah, we went that was that was in 2010. I went then, and then the second time we didn't go because I was see. Like, I no, actually I'm, went to see I'm the show as well because I, I had this weird logic in my head, which is I eat KFC. Like that's basically the same level of exploitation. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't eat meat anymore now, so I'd be—I probably wouldn't go and watch the show. Um, yeah, I, I watched the show. Well, one of the shows, and it made me so sad. Like, it—it—I it, think which one was it? There's—I can't remember which show it was, but I watched it, and it—it was—it—it was really upsetting. It really upset me. Um, and a couple of years later, in 2014, um, I went to Australia and New Zealand, and I actually swam in open waters in off New Zealand with a pod of about 2,000 dolphins in the wild. Um, wow. And the experience of that compared to this horrible... Discovery Cove. Discovery Cove, oh, which I haven't done. I didn't do that. I did watch the show, but I didn't swim with the dolphins there. But the, I think you can't even... You can't even talk about, you know, the difference is incredible. You know, even even just seeing them, you know, in the wild is better than seeing them in this horrible, sterile um, environment. Anyway, everything. we're getting onto a completely yeah, different yeah. topic now. So wisdom Dolphins world. shouldn't be in captivity is what I'm saying. <laughs> how do we wrap this up then? Release the dolphins. Um, how do we wrap this up? Yeah, I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about Harry Potter. Um, you know, very passionate subject for me. Um uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the future. I try to bring it up in every episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, it's like I say, top, top of the tree in terms of theme park lands. Could have been completely different by the sounds of it. Um, and yeah. to be honest, regardless of what film the new rides are based on, if they're good attractions, everyone's going to love it. So. We'll accept it, won't we? I mean, that's the thing. As long as the ride's good, we don't really care. Yeah. I mean, you can have a you can have a, an absolutely beloved franchise, but if it's a bad ride, Cough Cough Simpsons ride, then who's really bothered? Yeah, I mean, the Simpsons ride is probably good at the time, Sam. Yeah, it's just not Back to the Future. Anyway, Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't argue with anything you've said about how good it is. Yeah, great. We agree for once. That's nice. Yeah, uh, it's, and I still say it's on the same level as Galaxy's Edge, which is good, you know. It has the <laughs> privilege of being on that same level as Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, well, you know, again, I can't comment on not being, but I am looking forward to it, and no doubt we'll be up there, right up there. Uh, but yeah, if you guys love Harry Potter as much as Paul does and I do as well, then just let us know. Let us know what you think of Wizarding World. And if also, is there anything you would do with the new park? Any ideas beyond what they're 
sort of rumoured at the moment in terms of a French-themed sort of Fantastic Beasts-style area. Yeah. Because we can't think of much else, really, that would keep no. it in, in line with the films and the books. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to round us off, then, as you, you started off down this journey? Oh, my God, uh, the pressure. Um, what do you normally say? I don't know, just <laughs> something like thanks and see you next time. All right, yeah, I could probably do that. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Nailed it. <laughs>